Welcome to Canine Nation. It's Sunday, May 12th, 2019, and this is episode 136. Hi everyone, welcome to this week's edition. My name is Eric Brad. This week's podcast talks about consequences. Most dog trainers know that whatever happens as a result of a dog's behavior is going to determine whether that dog will do more of or less of that behavior. That's how rewards work, and it's also how punishment works. But I think there's a bigger context to the idea of consequences in training. I think that the way we conduct ourselves in training sessions with our dogs also has consequences. Being consistent, prepared, and ready to help our dogs can make a big difference in earning and keeping our dogs' trust during training sessions. I've always thought of training very much like a game, a game where the dog is trying to figure out what we want and a game where we provide the prizes when our dog is right. Like any game, it's no fun for the participants unless there's a good chance of winning. And if the prize is something they really like, my dogs are much more likely to want to stay and play with me. So, to make sure that we stay focused on good training process and staying consistent with our dogs, we've made up some simple rules to keep the game consistent and fun. I think it's important to be honest and true with our dogs and to provide consistent consequences when we're doing training. This is my essay about trust and consequence in training, and I call it Truth and Consequences the name of the dog training game. How do we learn things? If I do something and I like the results, I'm likely to do that thing again. If I don't like the results, I'm probably going to try to avoid doing that same thing the next time. It seems pretty basic, but that's how most learning occurs in humans. The same logic would apply to dogs, right? In fact, science has shown that those basics of learning hold true for most organisms on the planet. Of course, the important difference when we're teaching a dog is to think in terms of what the dog would like or not like. We have to see it from the dog's point of view. That's how dog training works. Over a century ago, behavioral scientist Edward Thorndike suggested that behaviors that are closely followed by satisfaction will become firmly attached to the situation and will be more likely to reoccur when the situation is repeated. Conversely, if the behavior is followed by discomfort, the connections to the situation will become weaker and the behavior or response will be less likely to occur when the situation is repeated. Decades later, behavioral scientist B.F. Skinner put it much more simply when he said, Consequence dictates behavior. But can this simple law of behavior apply to learning for our dogs? Can we use it to be more effective in training our dogs? Definitely. When it comes to teaching dogs, I believe there's one thing that always has to stay at the top of my agenda. I have to keep my dog interested in doing the training thing with me. 
Let's face it, there's a lot of interesting stuff to do out there for dogs. Bark out the window, sleep. Bite the squeaky toy, sleep. Patrol the kitchen for crumbs, sleep. Find mom's shoe and drag it around the house, or sleep. You get the idea. All of those activities have their own rewards for our dogs, and so they engage in those activities because they enjoy them. In a sense, we have to compete with all of that. We have to be more interesting than all of that other stuff, at least while we're training. The traditional dog training methods that I learned many years ago seem to approach training from a different point of view. It seemed to say, "Do it because I said so." My dog was supposed to work with me because I decided it's training time, and they didn't really have a choice. I would clip on the leash and collar, and off we would go to training time. Modern reward-based training methods like mark and reward training take a decidedly different approach. I bring out the treats and toys, and I offer my dogs a chance to play a game—a game called "Let's Learn Something." As B.F. Skinner suggested, consequence dictates behavior, and I've found that most dogs will decide that if there are treats or toys involved as a consequence, they want to play the training game. But letting my dogs know that there is good stuff available during this training game is just the start. Once they know what they might win, I've got to get and keep my dog's attention. But what's the best way to keep my dog's attention and enthusiasm during training? Well, the answer to that question can be different for different dogs. But there are some general things that you can do to make sure that your dogs will want to work with you. In our house, when we're training our dogs, we have some simple rules to make sure that dogs always look forward to our training time. The rules aren't for the dog; they're for us as trainers. They're designed to help us create a very enjoyable experience, so that our dogs will want to come back and play training with us again and again. Rule number one: stick to the contract. The most important thing is to establish a consistent approach to training with my dogs that they can depend on. Since I use a marker and rewards when I train, the basic contract is. If you do this thing that I'm looking for, I'm going to mark you and pay for it. Every time, no exceptions. If you hear the marker, you're going to get paid. All of our dogs depend on that basic rule. If you do something for me, you will get something in return. Always. We're trying to make it worth their while to just give it a try. I can't stress the importance of this consistency enough. If my dog starts losing faith in this basic deal, their willingness to train with me starts to fade, and their responses will become inconsistent. It's in my best interest to keep my dog engaged with a fair deal that works every time. They can depend on it. This contract becomes the foundation of trust that becomes the most valuable training tool that we have. Rule number two: Winning is easy. I think that it's important that dogs win much more than they lose, especially during the training game. Success feels good whether it's getting it right in a training session or just playing a game in the backyard. No one likes playing a game that you can't win. You might as well do something else. Treats are not really treats if you can't find a way to get them. So our training rule here is that our dogs need to be successful 70 to 75 percent of the time. If I ask my dog to turn in a circle, 
Well, if this is the first time we're working on that behavior, that might be too much for him to figure out all at once. So, should I wait for him to figure out that he needs to turn all 360 degrees? That might take a while to figure out, and it might be a long time between rewards. If I take too long to get my dog a reward, he might decide that there are more interesting and rewarding things that he can do on his own. But why not just reward him for moving slightly to his right? Now I've made the job easier. It's easier to win at this task. Now that he's discovered that turning a bit to the right pays off, maybe turning more to the right also pays off. By rewarding these smaller pieces of a larger behavior, I'm setting achievable goals. My dog is successful, and that will motivate him to keep working with me to build up to that completed behavior that we're shooting for. It's a simple strategy, and everyone wins. Ultimately, I get the behavior I want, my dog gets the rewards he wants, and everyone has fun and wants to play the game again. I get to decide when my dog earns a reward. So, to keep him interested in training, sometimes I have to move my goals around just a bit to lead him to that finished behavior. The main thing is to keep him interested and motivated to train with me, and the easiest way to do that is to let him win a lot. Rule number three. Have a plan before you start. When I'm working with my dogs on a new behavior, I won't introduce more than one behavior in a training session until all of the behaviors have at least some sort of cue. This helps my dogs know what's going to pay off and what's not. It's part of a plan that I have for my training sessions so that I know how I want to progress with teaching my dog. Whatever that one new thing I'm teaching is, I have to know what it's going to look like when it's all finished. That way, I'll know what to mark and pay for when I see it. But planning goes a bit further than that. Here's an example. The first behavior that we teach our dogs is usually touch. Touch your nose to my hand. When my dog's wet nose touches my hand, I mark and reward for the behavior. But there's more to the plan, and it kind of sounds like a Dr. Seuss book. If you can touch my hand right here in front of me, can you touch my hand over here? How about over here? Can you touch it high or low? Can you touch it on the go? Can you touch it under my leg? And so on. But I always know what I'm looking for, and I have a plan to introduce each new step so that my dog stays successful. Rule number four. Playing Goldilocks. Part of training this way makes me a bit of a Goldilocks when I'm looking for behavior. You remember the children's story of Goldilocks and the Three Bears, right? Where Goldilocks finds one bed too hard, one bed too soft, and one is just right? Well, sometimes in training, I can ask for too much from my dog, and he will get confused or frustrated. Sometimes I can ask for too little, and he can get bored or stuck on a behavior that I want to move on from. So sometimes I have to play a little bit of the too much, too little, just right game to find out what my dog knows and what they don't. If I'm teaching my dog to touch their nose to my hand as I described earlier, my dog may be able to reliably touch my hand from four inches away. That's too easy. But if I move my hand out to three feet and my dog may not know what to do, 
Well, now maybe I'm asking too much. It's too hard. But if I put my hand at 10 inches and he seems to get it, well, that's just right. And then we practice at that new level of 10 inches before I move on to ask for even more behavior. And this is where that 70 to 75% winner rule comes back into play. As I'm playing that Goldilocks game of too much and too little, I need to make sure that my dog is winning much more frequently than they're losing. Rule number five sometimes helping doesn't help. I remember trainer Karen Pryor once saying in a seminar that talking to a dog while you're training is like singing in the ear of a student who's trying to work out an algebra equation on the blackboard. It's a very human thing to want to be encouraging or help during training sessions, but unnecessary talking and movement can be more of a distraction to your dog than a help. The best thing I can do is clear away everything but the most essential information that my dog needs to learn the behavior that we're working on. I've found that it's very important to be still, calm, and patient during my training. I do my best to refrain from constantly reassuring my dog with verbal praise, and I try to give him enough time to figure out what we're trying to teach before rushing on to the next thing. I've found with my dogs that it's not unreasonable to give them 20 or 30 seconds to work out something while I'm watching them. So long as he stays interested and motivated to try, he can take all the time he needs. But if he's confused and needs some help, I will offer some so that he stays successful. Rule number six keep the training short and sweet. I try to keep my training sessions very short. I rarely work with my dogs for more than five or ten minutes at a time. Learning new behaviors can be stressful for dogs, even if they are successful most of the time. I know my dogs better than anyone else, and I can recognize the signs of fatigue or frustration. But only if I pay attention to those things. Keeping sessions short helps me stay focused on good training technique. Rather than just getting too focused on the outcome of the behavior I want. If a particular training session isn't working as well as I'd hoped, well, I just ask my dog for a few behaviors that they know very well so that I can reward them, and we call it quits for that session. That will give me time to go and change my training plan and try again later. The most important thing is that we end our training sessions with something fun so my dog wants to come back and play the game again later. When a session is going well, I try to find a point in that session where we've had lots of fun and success and just end things right there. I find that it's best if I can leave my dog thinking, Oh, do we have to quit? That was fun! I always want my dog to look forward to that next training session. Well, those are just the basic rules of how we play training in our house. All of my dogs start prancing around with excitement when they see a clicker or a bowl of treats come out. That's because they know that the fun is about to start. We were careful in beginning to introduce them to this style of training with lots of success and lots of rewards. We started them out by teaching really simple, easy behaviors. And we carefully managed their progression through more and more complex behaviors using that Goldilocks technique, but always keeping them more successful. It's been my experience that people who become frustrated with positive training 
have been too focused on results and not focused enough on the process. They were too focused on getting what they wanted and not aware enough to see what their dog was getting out of the process. Sometimes they were too demanding, asking for too much and rewarding too little. Other times they worked for too long. Their dog was doing fine, but after 15 or 20 minutes, the dog needed a break and wasn't getting it. That can be unpleasant, even if you're doing your best to reward the dog. Everyone needs a break sometime. The basic principles of this process of positive training are simple and easy to do. Anyone can learn to do it in a relatively short time. But it's also easy to try for too much, and you can have too much of a good thing. Having some basic rules for my training helps me be consistent, and my dogs will depend on that. That's the truth in our training. We all know how the training game is played, and my dogs know how to consistently come out a winner at that game. And being a winner means lots of rewards. Whether it's a rousing game of tug or some yummy treats, working with me in training always gets my dogs something that they like. And those are the good consequences of our training. It's always easy, it's always fun, and my dogs and I look forward to working together every day. For us, that's been a recipe for success. If you enjoy these podcasts, why not drop by our website at caninenation.ca and you'll find dozens more to listen to. While you're at it, perhaps click on the donate button and offer us a dollar or five or whatever you'd like to give to help support the podcast and help us keep the lights on. Or you can support the podcast by spreading the word on social media or leaving us a review on iTunes. I'd love to hear feedback from you about the podcast. If you have any comments, stories, or questions, you can email me at talk2 at caninenation.ca. That's talk and the number two at caninenation.ca. I look forward to your comments. Canine Nation is also on Facebook. You can find our Canine Nation page where we post information about the latest articles, podcasts, and news about Canine Nation events. We also have a discussion group, the Canine Nation Forum. It's a place to discuss the podcast, the Canine Nation essays, life with dogs, and training our dogs or just to share some information we found around the Internet. Thank you for listening. I'd appreciate it if you'd share this with the dog people in your life. I guess that's all for now. Until next time, have fun with your dogs.